Hello and welcome to the In Squash podcast, episode 36, I believe. Uh, my name is Jerry Gibson. I'm your host. And uh, the season is over. The 2017-2018 uh, squash season uh, professional-wise uh, is, is over. And it was a very good one, a, an exciting season, which saw um, maybe, uh, you might just say, predictable results uh, at the top of the, the heap, but some great tournaments and some great uh, matches and uh, stories throughout the season. Uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi uh, having won uh, the Dubai Super Series title, uh, as, uh, as well as Nor El Sherbini, both of them uh, finishing at number one in the rankings at the end of the season uh, and finishing uh, with wins at the uh, Super Series final, along with their uh, counterparts who uh, respectively uh, number two in the rankings. Uh, Ali Farag on the men's side and uh, Renim El Walili both getting to the final of the Super Series. So it was fitting uh, the way it ended, uh, as we all know. And uh, the ne uh, next season should be interesting. We've got some uh, some great stories on both men's and women's sides. Uh, I think uh, although uh, the top four uh, in the men's rankings are Egyptian, it could be five. I don't have the rankings in front of me, but. Uh, uh, there are several uh, players climbing the rankings uh, uh, at the moment as well. Uh, we have, uh, obviously, uh, Simon Rosner is right there. Miguel Rodriguez is right there. Um, Rafael Candra is up there. Paul Cole is up there. Uh, there are several others uh, on the way up as well. And who knows what, uh, what we're in store for, what lies ahead uh, next year. On the women's side, it's very exciting. Uh, nor obviously playing really well, uh, nor El Sherbini, nor uh, El Tayeb. Um, you've got uh, Lady, uh, Laura Macero, who, who uh, was unfortunate not to get through to the semifinal. I couldn't believe uh, the semifinal of the um, Super Series. I mean, she won the first two matches. She played so well. And then uh, she just ran into uh, a tough uh, match against Camille there. And... Uh, uh, she didn't get through to the next round. Tough, go, uh, tough way for her to end the season, although she had won uh, two Super Series uh, titles in a row. So uh, she's there. She's at uh, six in the world. We've got uh, uh, several other girls uh, making a move up there. We've also got the, uh, the Nicole David narrative. Will she be back? Um, you know, I think she's uh, probably putting in a good, hard summer's worth of training, and uh, we'd love to see her uh, uh, come back and uh, compete uh, for that top spot in the rankings. Uh, she's fallen off a little bit the last few years, perhaps a, a few injuries here and there, and uh, not really uh, familiar territory for her. Uh, so maybe she's uh, just trying to get her head around how to uh, to deal with that. And she had a season uh, to do that, and maybe now uh, she can consolidate uh, things and uh, come back for the 2018-2019 campaign ready to go. Uh, I'm really excited about that, and uh, on a personal level, I'm uh, going to take the summer and do, do a bit of... Uh, uh, training myself and uh, hopefully uh, next year uh, pursue uh, the master's uh, division uh, the 50 plus it'll be my first year in the uh, in that division so um, I'm looking forward to that uh, as my friend uh, Matt Bishop told me uh, once you hit the masters it's all about uh, uh, movement uh, the racket skills uh, 
could be there, but if you're not able to uh, to move around the court efficiently or at least well, uh, then that's what separates uh, the men from the boys, as they say, uh, at the master's level. But um, anyways, uh, today on the podcast, uh, I'm lucky to, to we're lucky to have on a, a writer uh, from Squash Player Magazine. He's also written for SquashMad.com. Uh, and uh, he's a freelance uh, sports writer. Uh, Mike Dale is on the podcast. We uh, we met uh, at the Super Series final in Dubai uh, on day two, I believe it was, and uh, he came over and introduced uh, himself to me. There's a little bit of a funny story behind that, which I'll save uh, uh, for you when you listen to the podcast. Uh, it's quite entertaining. I, I was flattered, by the way, but you'll, you'll see why uh, as... Uh, uh, once you listen to the podcast but uh, yes Mike's on the podcast and we go over uh, what we saw at the Super Series final what a great event that was uh, some of the narratives from within that event and then also we sort of uh, wrap up the season look back and look ahead and uh, a few other things that we uh, touch on as well so I hope you enjoy this podcast it was really uh, really great talking squash with Mike Dale from Squash Player Magazine. He's just back from uh, the Super Series uh, final in Dubai. Uh, by the way, this is episode uh, 36 of the In Squash podcast. And our guest today, as I said, is just uh, back from the Super Series final in Dubai. We met uh, there as a part of a media group. Uh, he's a writer for Squash Player uh, magazine as well. Uh, I think he's written for SquashMad.com. He's a freelance uh, writer. Uh, by trade. Uh, Mike Dale is my guest uh, on the podcast. Mike, great having you on. Yes, it's really special to be here, Jerry. Thanks very much for asking me. Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, well, it was great meeting you uh, at the venue uh, there in uh, in Dubai. Now, before we get to uh, get to that, it must be nice to be back home and uh, getting a little bit uh, excited now with the World Cup uh, coming up, England against uh, Tunisia, I believe. Yes, that's right. I mean, uh, I, I'm not a huge England fan. I'm a, for my sins, I'm a Southampton supporter. You probably won't have even heard of them, but uh, I'm more <laughs> of a I'm more of a club man than a, than an England man. But yeah, I am looking forward to the World Cup. I, I just like the festival effect of it and watching teams that you never get a chance to watch. And yeah, I'll try to try and cram as many games in as possible. But my wife might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my wife is a uh, South Korean, so uh, I I was actually there when they did really well uh, a number of years ago. They got to the semifinal. Oh yeah, but uh, that's right. What, they don't. Two thousand two. Yeah. yeah, Gus Hiddink was the the the, the head coach there. Um, oh, but, yeah, uh, they yeah, don't, too, uh, yeah. They don't look so hot this year, even though they qualified. But uh, yeah, they're well. Yeah, getting there, is the, but they're the first bit better than Scotland anyway. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're just, uh, we were there in Dubai and, um, oh, by the way, before, before I get going, I was flattered uh, when, when we first met uh, there at, at the venue. Uh, you had confused me with, uh, with James Zug, so uh, that, I was pretty happy. <laughs> I do apologize for that, but I was... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that, I, I mean, geez, he, he's, he's a man, he's been around for, uh, in the squash uh, 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 scene for a number of years, a, a great writer, yeah. and now he's got a great podcast. And uh, you know, to yeah. be uh, sort of in the same uh, grouped in with him, holy moly! Um, well, I, I kind of, I, I kind of came in. I went with my dad to Dubai, and I came in, and I overheard this guy talking, and I thought that must be him because you know, shame, shame on me. I, I, th I thought I heard an American accent. I know you're Canadian, so you probably took, take great offense to that. 
But, uh, <laughs> but I thought, oh, that's Canadian. That's, that must be James Zook. And then I kind of went in and found my seat and all that. And then I saw you again and I went, oh, I don't introduce myself. And I made a complete burke of myself because it's not, you weren't even James Zook, of course. But, but I was almost right because you are a big squash fan with a podcast, just like James Zook. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Happened, right? And, uh, you know, I, exactly. I was flattered. So, uh, anyways. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad I got away with it. It wasn't that embarrassing then in the end. Yeah. Well, but, uh, uh, well the, the Dubai, the, the Super Series final in Dubai was obviously, uh, uh, I know you felt this way too, it was a great week, a great finale to the season uh, at Emirates Golf Club. Uh, there are several uh, things that I'd like to talk about, but um, overall, uh, what was your takeaway from, from the event? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was terrific. Um, I only managed to get to a couple of sessions. I went to the day three in the afternoon. Um, uh, and then I was at the final, um, and uh, yeah, I, it was it was absolutely terrific, really well run event. Um, yeah, the the, the 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 venue was terrific. I mean, just it's just like everything in Dubai, you know, everything's a manicure to within an inch of its life. Um, <laughs> you know, absolutely, it, it's, absolutely, uh, you know, it, everywhere's dripping with cash, and everything's the biggest and the best and the most expensive and the most brash. And if you you know, we pulled up in a taxi to the Emirates Golf Club. Every single car in the car park was a Porsche and a Lamborghini and a Except and a, mine. And a Bentley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see one broken yeah. down old bag in the corner. That must have been yours. But um, no, it was uh, very lavish and um, and a great venue. Um, there was lots. Of, there was lots of talk about it. it they're in talks about it staying in Dubai. Um, so I, I really hope that's true. And uh, I know that the players all were. Um, very gushing in their praise of the, of the place. Yeah, they seem um, really comfortable uh, there, uh, you know, with the, with the way they set it up, the players' lounge and the media room, and, and of course the, uh, the court. I think they were quite, uh, there were no complaints from what I could see or hear uh, no. about the court. No, not at all. And um, the, the branding of it, you know, the pink lines, and, and obviously we're, we're going to talk about the interactive squash stuff that was going on as well. Um, lots of nice little touches here and there, and um, you know it was, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty spectacular, and um, loved it, absolutely loved it. Now uh, it seemed like uh, I don't know if you felt this way, but uh, leading up to the event, it seemed like there was plenty of uh, of intrigue uh, that was uh, leading up to the event. Obviously, uh, Nick Matthew uh, getting a spot in the main draw. Uh, as a result of Marwan Sherbaggy's unfortunate injury. Uh, that was one of them. And uh, he really sort of, uh, he took advantage of it, didn't he? He did. And it was, you know, it was, uh, as the days went past and he kept winning, um, you sort of thought to yourself, really? Um, could, yeah. could this actually happen? I mean, what a story it would have been. We've had quite a lot of good stories this season in terms of, Stories that have kind of broken the the shackles of squash and have gone a bit wider, like obviously, um, you know, uh, Ali Farag and his wife winning the US Open on the same day. You know, that was a story that really yeah. um, went went wider than squash. And I think if Nick Matthew had, had won a tournament uh, a week after retiring, it would have been another of those stories that would have made everyone say, wow, check this out. You know, this guy was on the beach in Mauritius a week ago, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, he, was having, saying, having, he had a few beers yeah. and, and he had his toes in the sand on the beach. 
<laughs> maybe that's the key, you know. That maybe that's the best preparation for yeah, yeah. for um, you know for talking. But you know, the best of three was always going to suit him. I think. Um, yeah. So the fact that he, the fact that he came, you know, obviously he's um, being the age that he is. I think he's thirty-seven now, and you know, he was in in the in the events leading up to that. It was obvious that you know that his body was. Um, Doing a little bit, did a little bit complaining. Um, yes, yeah. But you know, he had a good run at the British, to be fair. But um, you know, it, it, you know, he would admit, I'm, I'm sure, um, that um, it was probably the right time for him to retire. But <clears throat> so the best of three was always going to suit him, and it, and it ended up, and it ended up, it did. I really wish I'd been there on the night of the semi-final when um, when he lost to Farag because. Yeah, I understand well, it was a great it was match. He, uh, yeah, he really. He really um, he he had his chances, but Farag is just he's playing so well, moving so well, and he's so yeah. good in the front of the court, which is where Nick was trying to exp- sort of. He was playing a lot of it, you know, his volleys short, and uh, but Farag was picking them up and and hitting great yeah. drops uh, off of all of them. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a shame that he didn't go further, but I think. He he probably saw, not that I spoke to him, but I, he probably saw it as just a terrific bonus. One last hurrah! I noticed on Twitter today that he's still out there and he <laughs> posted a picture of himself on the beach. So, um, yeah. you know, he's he's obviously enjoying an extended holiday out there, and good on him because he really deserves it. He's he's been an absolutely yeah, terrific yeah. ambassador for uh, for England squash. Yeah, I had the opportunity on on media day to have a short interview with him, and uh, he didn't. Oh, really- he seemed like uh, you know he was happy to have gotten the opportunity, but he didn't have any. It didn't seem to me that he had any uh, serious aspirations of winning it. But having said mm-hmm. that, I mean, he went out there and he beat uh, Miguel Rodriguez uh, in mm-hmm. very in very impressive uh, fashion. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fair play to him because you know it, it was it's really lovely that he was able to go out like that um, because. Uh, although he, had, he did have one good win in Hull, um, you know, I know he was disappointed to lose um, the day after that. So, and you know, he was in tears in Hull and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. probably thought, well, you know, that that I've gone now. You know, I've, I've achieved some great things, three world world championships and all that kind of stuff. But um, to, to to have this second chance and to go out like he did in Dubai, I, I, fantastic! I was absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, the whole yeah. the whole story behind uh, you know he'd he'd been to the uh, Super Series final twice, losing once to uh, I'm not sure I think it was Gaultier, and then also mm-hmm. uh, ha- reaching the final, having to play Shabana, but then the final that final was uh, cancelled. So <laughs> because, uh, I don't know there was some weather bad weather or something, and it was uh, yeah the whole blooming stadium blew away. That was at the yeah. the, the Queen's Club. Yeah, yeah, that was the great, the great big hurricane in London, and the whole thing had to be abandoned. I remember that. Yeah, dearing me. So he was saying he was just saying how uh, he felt that they they should have had co winners instead of no winners. That, that's how he. Ah, uh, yeah, but they didn't yeah, do that. Sure, uh, so he's a bit. I'm uh, sure he would. Sure he would say that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's what I, did, I didn't realize he'd never won that. So. Um, yeah, delighted, absolutely delighted. I sat next to his dad actually. Um, during the third round. Okay. Uh, dead, His dad dead, was deadly, deadly, deadly headly, they call him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've interviewed him before, actually, and he's a, he's a lovely guy. You read his Nick Matthews. Have you read Nick Matthews' book? I haven't read it, no. 
Oh, okay. So I mean, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was obvious from this book how much of an influence his dad is on him. You know, he's an ex-school teacher and obviously quite a disciplinarian. So, uh, yeah, I have spoken to him before and he, he's a lovely chap. Obviously, you know, completely proud of what his lad has done. And yeah, yes, that's his name. Um, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with him. He, I, I didn't know. Uh, I've only followed him on the tour, and you you watch these guys on on the squash court, and you get a certain impression of what they're like. But uh, you know, mm. he he seemed to me to be quite a tough uh, character and uh, no nonsense. Uh, but off the court, he seems yeah. like a really nice guy, affable, uh, conversational, witty. Uh, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Yeah. Well, he's Yorkshire. You see, he's Yorkshire. I'm not from Yorkshire. But, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not from Yorkshire originally. You can probably tell by my accent, but I have lived in Leeds for nearly 20 years now. So okay. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a bit, uh, a bit Northern. Uh, right. So I'm, yeah. So what, so what I mean by that for the benefit of non British people is, he's proper Yorkshire. So he's, he's a, uh, you know, he's tough. He's got a hard exterior, but um, deep, yeah, deep down, they're sort of lovable and uh, uh, warm characters in general. But, uh, right but yeah, but, but, but tough. Yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, just get, uh, moving away from, from that, uh, just uh, leading up to the event, we also had, uh, which I thought was great marketing on behalf of, I, I, think, I think they uh, designed it this way, uh, having uh, Shorbaggy play uh, Miguel in the first, on the first day of the yeah. event following the yeah. British Open. And it, that probably was uh, really, uh, could have been the match of the tournament too. It was such a great match. Yeah, probably, I, I agree. Probably did it deliberately just because of the, um, the obvious sort of narrative that was around it. Um, and I, I wasn't surprised to see Shibagi win that, I must admit, because he wasn't, he wasn't at his best in Hull um, in no. terms of his... He was his, gassed his, right from the beginning, wasn't he, of that match? Man, a lie. I mean, if ever anything shows you what a tough competitor... I mean, he had food poisoning. He was gasping for air, yeah. leaning down on his knees after every... <laughs> it was, a, it, it was um, one of the most enthralling matches I've ever seen. Oh, man, a lie. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, what a character. And then, obviously, the fourth, which he tanked, and there was booze from the crowd. Yeah, that was that was absurd, eh? Well, I, I just think it's a. Probably people didn't understand what was actually happening there because. Um, yeah. Uh, but he was obviously a massive physical discomfort, and having retired, having sort of having lost that rather, um, and then to be drawn against Miguel again in the first round, you could be damn sure that someone like Shabaki is going to come out all guns blazing. Sure, he did as well, and. Uh, yeah, that was well, good Shabazz, to see them going at it. I thought uh, Miguel. I mean, Miguel was right there with him. He he could have very easily won that match. Uh, had he, I think he just. There were a couple of things he did. I think he uh, he made a few ill-advised um, reviews that that were obvious. Yeah. He couldn't have reviewed, and then later he could have used that review. I think uh, to to help him. It was a close game in in the the decider. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he had an unlucky tournament. Rodriguez actually went uh, going out in the first round because uh, I mean, if we're talking about unlucky. What about Masaro? You know, she won her first, won her first, won her first two matches, and then <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> then she I, went out. I thought for sure. I thought, well, she's through, and then yeah, oh, yeah, she, she didn't get through. And, yeah. No, no. Well, I was there for that. The third game, when she lost to Cern, um, yeah. and she was well beaten actually. But I mean, she probably. Maybe mentally, who knows? Maybe mentally, she just thought, well, I want to out too. 
Um, but then she was found herself out, so um, that was particularly unfortunate for her. I want to talk about the women's side just in a second, but just to get back to yeah. uh, to um, Mohammed uh, on the first day of the the event, uh, they had the media day, and all the players. I was there waiting, and all the players came in. They all came in, and Sharbagi came in, and it it was like uh, like a rock star. The way he came in, you could you could just feel his presence. <laughs> He's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I don't know if you I noticed that, but. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reference uh, the squash stories on Facebook here. You know, you, you, you're on that, obviously. <laughs> James, the guy that runs that, coming on to the yeah, podcast the soon. Is he? Oh, I'd love to hear that because he sounds like a great guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know how much he loves Shabagi. Oh, yeah. Um, is that real? I Sometimes I think he's just joking. <laughs> he might be taking, taking the proverbial, but um, I think it's genuine. Yeah, no, no, no. I think he genuinely loves the guy. And why yeah. not, you know? What, what a guy, you know? <laughs> no, but, but you've I mean, got, yeah. you've got, I mean, he's like, he is like a matador, you know? He's um, so sure. strong in every way. Um, you can kind of tell that he gets coached by Jonah Barrington because, yeah. Um, uh, and he's, you know, what a support network he's got around him, really. You know, he's, his mum's obviously a very strong influence on him yeah. and his brother. Um, David Palmer as well. David Palmer, right. So, you know, you can see these sort of influences coming in through him, you know, the fact that he's so mentally strong. So Jonah Barrington, obviously he trains in Bristol with Hadrian Stiff, who's obviously one of the um one of the most elite coaches in this country. You know, what a what a support team he's got there, you know, and uh, and you know, you can see it you can see all their influence on him. Um, yeah, physically, sure. mentally. I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, the that best of three format. If, if he's a bit of a slow starter, but once he gets going, there's no uh, there's no one in that best of three format. It suits him perfectly because he's just so yeah. he just plays at such an intensity that he can yeah. up yeah. the intensity and just finish you off. You can you can just blast you away just before yeah. you know in the blink of an eye. And of course, if, you know if it's best of three. You just you don't have time to get your rhythm or get your eye in. Uh, you're gone, you know. So um, yeah, it's, but you know, it it, put it it was no great surprise to see who got to the final, and it was no great surprise to see who won that final. No, exactly. Well, he he'd done it all season pretty much. Uh, just a couple of a couple of events where he may have got to the quarters, but he was in the semis or finals in almost every event. Um, now on the on the yeah, women's exactly. side. Uh, you were you alluded to it earlier. It, it was as entertaining as well. I mean, uh, uh, we had some some great matches throughout that, including Laura's uh, match. Uh, all of her matches were great, but um, uh, Norel Sherbini ended up winning. And uh, again, like uh, like Mohammed, uh, she dominated the season. I, I was looking at her results, and it pretty much uh, semifinals or finals in just about every uh, every event. Yeah, awesomely consistent, and um, she's only, I think, 22, yeah. which is very bad news for the rest of the women's field, really. <laughs> um, she she is going to dominate for a long time. Right? You, you can't really see anything getting in her way, uh, injuries permitting. She's, no. you know, you look, we, watched, we watched her with, um, with Renine in the final. There's a, probably like a foot height difference between or something. Oh, yeah. You know, and if, you think, wow, you know, uh, best of luck to you, Renine, because, you know, she's got so many natural weapons at her disposal, has, um, yeah. has El Shabini. Yeah, um, and that's saying a lot, too, because Renine is uh, ultra, ultra talented. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, when you've got someone who can hit the ball as hard as El Shabini can, who's got a wingspan probably you know two feet wider than than Willili's is, yeah. um, she's she's a, a great all-round package and uh, all you know already already won virtually all the prizes there is to win in the game. She's only twenty-two. You know, <laughs> she's got a great character as well. She's very, uh, very understated, you know, in her interviews. Yeah. That's right. That's right. She seems to have her screwed on and very grounded. A lot of them, a lot of the Egyptians seem the same, you know, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're, they all, they're all, they're all very grounded. There's not, there's not a lot of arrogance there. They don't get carried away. And I guess that I'm only guessing now, I don't have any great insight into their, their tuning. I know they've got a hugely, massive and strong um, junior program and, and uh, it, it obviously comes from that um, they yeah. all seem quite humble uh, they're ferociously competitive um, it's all a little bit scary for the rest of the world yeah for sure now uh, obviously in the la- the ladies uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later but uh, the ladies division this season uh, has uh, demonstrated there's a bit of parity there uh, not only amongst uh, the, the Egyptians, although Nora's dominated uh, uh, within the final, the semis and the finals, but there are quite a few uh, other players, including uh, Camille, who was very, very close uh, to uh, to winning her her match against uh, Reynim in the semifinal. Uh, it was seven all in the decider, and then um, the obviously the the conduct stroke that was awarded against her uh, um, for opening the door. Uh, that was what. What, what did you? Uh, what was your take on that uh, situation? Mm, well, it's one of those, isn't it, where there's they, they have these sort of rules in all sports that are there and they exist and they are um, they're written down and everyone's aware of them, but they rarely get enforced. And I suppose the, the reason this has come become quite a hot topic is because it's a fairly new rule. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of like the, the VAR in football soccer. Um, it's a new rule and no one's quite sure how to interpret it and it leads to these grey areas so it's it's very much up to the, the discretion of the referee how they enforce it so she's she's opened the door and wanting a little discussion didn't seem to me that she was particularly aggressive in the way that she no, did it no um, but the referee's taken a hard line now yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new rule if it was a different referee, would they have maybe given her a bit more leeway? Maybe. Um, but to her credit, it, though, she she admitted at the end that she should have known uh, the rule. I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's very magnanimous of her to say that because yeah. um, it costs it. It, it, it definitely cost her the match. match. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, no, I was really, I was very, very impressed with with her uh, uh, in this event. I mean, she played, she played some great squash. She played against uh, some really talented players, and in that match in particular, she just uh, hung in there and play at right at the end there. She was playing really well uh, up until that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, she's she's probably not had quite as good a season as she might have hoped overall. Um, she, it was last, when did she win the British? It was um, a couple of years ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. I think Probably, uh, yeah. Two, right, okay. So she's, yeah, that was a big breakthrough, wasn't it? And then she's, um, from memory, she's not had any sort of huge run where she's sort of, you know, she's 
lifting huge amount of trophies. Um, however, I do agree she's a very stylish player, really? and um, and uh, and I'm a big fan. And, uh, and I saw her destroy him, as I say, on, on in round three. I watched her pretty much take take good care of Masaro. She she was a very convincing winner in that one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, like you say, it, were, it, were it not for that little incident, she re- she could really have been in the final. And um, yeah, who knows? Once you're in the final, you know, it, it, she, she could have really um, laid a few punches on Shabini. Yeah, so, she could have. Um, yeah, it just seems yeah. like that that rule. When uh, apparently it's 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 a new rule, and she maybe she just overlooked the 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 email or however however it was uh, presented to her, but. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd think uh, common sense would have uh, came into play there. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I, I am not a fan of uh, of long, lengthy rows between um, players and referees. Yeah, I think I, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, and, I, and so I, anything that prevents that or at least curtails it is okay by me. Um, yeah. However, you know, I've, we've all been on the wrong end of decisions where we thought, "What the hell is he thinking?" Um, and you do want to share, say your piece, and I can understand that. But it's from a spectator's point of view, it's if it happens repeatedly, as it does with players that I was about to mention, but probably won't. Um, <laughs> but, no, it, it becomes really tiresome, and it and it yeah. it's, it um, you know you think get on with it, you know get on with it. There are some players, one or two players on the tour who dispute virtually every decision. And it is. It makes for a, a really poor spectacle. And also, I think players sometimes sometimes players use it do it deliberately. I think when they when they want to breathe or they want to disrupt the rhythm of their opponent. And I think that's it's gamesmanship and it's poor. And um, although I, I, I think I, I do feel sorry for um, in this instance, but anything they can try and do to crack down on on persistent arguing and deliberate yeah. gamesmanship and time wasting is all is all right by me. Well, uh, Roy, uh, Roy Gingell was the official and, uh, you know, he stuck to his guns there and, uh, you know, all the, you know, respect to him for doing that, knowing the rule and uh, enforcing it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, well, he's not one to take any nonsense, Roy Gingell. I don't know him personally, but just from watching the tour and, you know, uh, he's quite a fan of sort of saying, I've made my decision, play on, which I think is, is, is a pretty good stop response for a referee to have, to be honest. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's so, why he's a world referee, I guess. Absolutely, he's taken a stance with it, um, and uh, it's better than him sort of umming and ahhing and going, well, "I don't know." You know, he's 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 produced a strong response there. He's made up his mind. That's how he's going to interpret the rule. Every other player that deals with him from now on will know what they will know what his interpretation is. They ain't going to open the door. Oh, exactly. not, not, yeah. not now. Not now not. So, it'll take a situation like, uh, unfortunately, what happened to Camille to, to send that message uh, in terms of a new rule. And uh, Roy did just that. So now the next time it happens, there won't be any uh, argument. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, one, of, uh, fine, one of the last uh, things I'd like to talk about in terms of the... Um, Super Series final, uh, of course, is interactive squash, and uh, you were there, and it and it was pretty much front and center. Uh, Marcos and Gustavo, the two uh, guys involved, they were, I think, they were almost running the the production, the whole thing, uh, while they were there. They were quite busy and always uh, there early, and uh, the last ones to leave. Uh, and it was, uh, I guess, that's a 
the reason why the production was so uh, impressive. Um, what was your uh, opinion of uh, interactive squash and the way they had it uh, set up in Dubai? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see its potential definitely. I mean, the the it it, it was the way it was used in Dubai. The from certainly the, the bits I were there. It was. Um, I did like the when the players were warming up. They had kind of like it turned the front wall turned into a video screen, and they had little interview clips with both players that were playing. So effectively, yeah. both players were hitting the ball, hitting the ball in their own heads. <laughs> which <laughs> was quite good. And then yeah. and then they had obviously the during the warm up they had sort of like whenever the ball hit the front wall, it would like a be a ripple effect. Um, and then in between, whilst probably viewers on squash TV didn't see, but while there were between matches, they had kids on the on the court throwing balls and playing Space Invaders. and That, 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 that kind of stuff is what they're sort of selling uh, or marketing yeah, in terms yeah. of uh, what they can sell yeah. to the squash facilities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I noticed, I don't know whether this was interactive squash or, or, or a different thing, but they had um, heat maps of where the players have moved. You know, yeah. so like the, the, the areas they spend more, most time on the court. What I'd like to see is that put in context. So, I mean, it's the same with the heart rate monitor stuff that they've started using. So... Um, Joey Barrington or one of the other guys might say wow look you know his heart rate's 134 or whatever I'd like to see a kind of league table of it I don't know they may have actually done this I'm not sure if they have I missed it but a kind of league table of throughout the week you know whose heart rate has been the, the highest you know and sort of yeah. like comparing comparing a certain player's heart rate to previous matches previous tournaments and so right okay We've measured this particular player's heart rate for the last eight tournaments, and this is, you know, this is the highest it's been. So that, so that the stats are, the, at the moment, the stats are, they're a novelty and they're interesting. And, and, and I guess the more data they collect, the more they'll be able to put it in context. So, like maybe with the heat maps of where the players have been during the match, maybe they could, instead of just showing one heat map, they could compare it with their previous match and say, okay, well, yeah. he, he spent he spent a lot more time in the front front right corner or the he dominated the team more than he did against the, his previous opponent so they could overlay one on the other i'd really like to see that stuff because it, i mean it, it, it'll be the same in sports the world over but in football yeah, here, maybe uh, maybe um, over this off season they'll, they'll take a look at the uh, the analytics or the metrics and then come up with uh, with something to uh, yeah. talk about next year and also yeah i agree with you there may i'm not sure if they they did much of this but just sort of uh uh, identifying who's who, how much uh, court coverage each player has uh, covered throughout uh, yeah. a yeah, just, tournament or their heart rate, where it's been for the duration of a tournament, uh, that might yeah. determine how uh, fatigued they are at a certain point in the event. Uh, obviously, so. mm. I think I think we've probably just only seen the tip of the iceberg with the use of this stuff, and I think you know interactive squash and the PSA will will say the same. You know that it, it's got it's kind of like they've got a new toy and they're, they're knocking about with it and, and they're, they're probably really enjoying doing that and they've, they're, they're, they're probably, um, they'll probably even say themselves like you know we're only just beginning to realise the potential of this stuff and as they collect more and more data I guess um, it will become more and more interesting it will become more and more in depth and uh, yeah I kind of like all that stuff I'm a bit of a data nerd in terms of uh, football um, and I consume a lot of that stuff and sort of like in the big Monday pullouts and newspapers and on the TV. So um, I look forward to seeing where they go with it. But uh, yeah, really promising start in Dubai. It's, um, it, it, it certainly adds uh, certainly adds an extra kind of layer of interest without a doubt. Oh, for sure. 
For sure. Now, uh, the 2017-2018 season's come to an end, and we've got uh, 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 the season is, is finished, obviously. What, um, any surprises this year or anything that, that stood out for you in terms of, uh, of the season? For me, uh, the women's game really sort of took off, in, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, obviously you've got the, the Egyptian girls who, who were dominating Sherbini, uh, Norel Tayeb was sort of a surprise. She came up through the ranks from, uh, she might have been at the bottom uh, 10. Uh, now she's number three in the world. Uh, uh, but girls like uh, Tessney Evans, Sarah Jane uh, Perry, uh, the, the resurgence of uh, Amanda Sobey, um, the, the girl, the ladies mm-hmm. seems to uh, be taking off. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I know we were talking about Amashubini before and about how she's pretty much dominated, but there's, it's not like, you know, the days of Susan Devoy or whatever, where you know, there was yeah. Nicole David, right, exactly. Nicole David of 10, 15 years ago, where, you know, there was Nicole at the top and the rest were, ooh, you know, a lot. That, that's another too. intriguing uh, element to next season. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, she's still out there. I think, you know, she, she might, uh, she might, we might see her back. Playing well. I really hope so. I really hope so. And I wonder that lots of people have speculated about why um, she has dropped down quite so much. And that a lot of people have said it's because of the lower tin yeah. um, that was introduced a few seasons back. That may be it. I, I, I really don't know. Often it's sort of things that we don't know about. You know, it's uh, things that are going on in people's lives. Or <laughs> yeah. I have no insight whatsoever into that. I'm, I'm not speculating at all. But, you know, it's, it's the lower tin is an interesting theory. Um, but you know, she was such a force, you know, wasn't she? And, um, you know, it takes an incredible amount of desire to be at that, be at that, be at the top and be so dominant, um, and win everything, um, for a number of years and, um, and continue to want to do so. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate what the life is like, you know, um, going from place to place to place and sitting in airports for hours and, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like a glamorous life, but after 10 or 15 years, um, you know, you're older and wiser and more experienced. And do you want to carry on doing that for ages? She's been, yeah, she's been, uh, not obviously not winning for the past couple of years. She's been competing against these top, uh, the top players, but not quite getting it mm-hmm. done. Uh, but also you've got, um, uh, girls like uh, Tessney uh, Evans, who she's pulled off uh, big wins all year. Uh, yeah. Even though Sarah Jane, uh, I didn't think she played her best squash uh, this uh, last week in Dubai. There were glimpses of why she's so uh, talented. I mean, she's very talented with the racket. And uh, if she sort of gets going, like she, she can give anybody a hard day. Yeah, I mean, she won the British Championships this, this year. Um, so... And that was that was a, that test, was a huge test breakthrough, did, right? You did, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's, that was a huge breakthrough for her, and yeah, it's been a bit, a bit know, of a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly made a few. Yeah. People, yeah, in this country, you know, she um, made a few people. She was, I think, the first ever Welsh uh, female winner of the tournament, and um, yeah, made a few people here sit up and go, oh, "Wow, you know, this girl." she could really be something she's young um she hits the ball very cleanly oh yeah um got great hold and absolutely yeah and she's she's bloodied the nose of a few um big names this year yeah um 
and it, we're pretty excited about her over here. Um, and uh, and yeah, SJ as well is is certainly up there. Um, she's been she's been eighteen about eighteen months now. So probably I'm probably doing her a disservice there. Two years maybe that she's uh, also been claiming some good results off the top girl. So um, yeah, I mean, it, unlike the men's game. Um, for us here in England, uh, where we're, we're struggling really to um, to see where the next top ten player is coming from, uh, <laughs> yeah. but in the in the, in the women uh, in Britain at least, we know we've got a Welsh girl and, and SJ out there, so that at least is something. Yeah, and in terms of in terms of the men's game, obviously it seems fairly clear that it's going going to be uh, mostly Egypt. Uh, but uh, there, there's some signs. Uh, you've got uh, obviously uh, Miguel's return to form. He he'll be back in the top five, I think. And then uh, guys like uh, Rafael Candra, uh, who came out of nowhere at the British Open. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another guy like Nicholas Mueller, who I I think could have a Candra type uh, surprise in him. And uh, Diego Elias, Paul Cole. Uh, do you see uh, any of those guys uh, potentially uh, making a run at the? Uh, the top players. Well, Elias is the one, isn't he? I mean, he, yeah. he's he's certainly he's, he's young. Um, I noticed he won Young Player of the Year at the uh, at the awards ceremony just before the the, the Dubai Championships there. Um, so he's the one. I mean, he's he's really tall. He's surprisingly tall when you see him um, in the flesh. So he's got the physical attributes. He's a very stylish player. I forgot to mention um, the tree chopper. Oh, the German tree chopper, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit more, um, perhaps not pessimistic, but, um, well, I suppose pessimistic is the word really about Egypt, Egypt's dominance. I mean, um, we had four finalists, Egypt, Egyptian finalists in Dubai, and I was talking to one of the PSA guys who said, um, you know, this is great for Egypt. You know, the, 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 the hall was packed with Egyptian fans. Um, but it does make the game quite difficult to sell in other countries. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and not only were they all it can't, it can't be good. For, it can't be good for the game to have it be dominated uh, always by Egypt. But uh, not no, not always. And I'm not taking anything away from from what they've achieved. You know, their level of dominance is is absolutely phenomenal, and and it's great for them. And they play some fantastic attacking squash. The game as a spectacle has never been. Never been better. I mean, how However, can you not like a guy like uh, Shorbagi, Rami Ashur? All yeah, these, well, that, that, they're great personalities, great for the game. There, there are just so many of them. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. That's exactly my point. There is so many of them, and um, it, 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 what, we, what we need to um, to sort of sell the game to people outside squash is uh, narratives. You know, I mean, we all know that these guys are great guys. I mean. Rag is a lovely guy. He's almost absurd. he's almost absurdly nice. You know, you know, he's just such a lovely guy. I bumped guy. into him outside uh, near the driving range, and he just stopped and talked to me for about twenty minutes. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, he, he is, he is, yeah. And the, the sort of tribute that he paid to Nick Matthew after he beat yeah. him, you know, and he was quite know, emotional there. He, he was, you know, he was. He really was. And he, his speech after the final was also terrific. Um, uh, him and. Uh, and nor you know uh, make a lovely couple yeah. and um you know and but the, the, and he's a really articulate and he's obviously you know he's been to uh, you know one of the top universities in america he's hugely intelligent 
Um, but however, however, um, you know, the, the women's final in Dubai, Raneem and, and Shabini, they said afterwards, we're best friends, we're going to the World Cups together. You know, and, and, um, and there was, uh, I noticed the match point in the men's final, uh, Farag, you know, there was a sort of dodgy double bounce and he admitted it, no, it's fine, it's match point, but I, I didn't get the ball. They are lovely guys. And there's, for me, you want a bit of needle and a bit of aggro and a bit of Bjorg v. McEnroe and a bit of... Real the power of the uh, nickel. The power of the nickel stuff. I mean, that is what, you know, people tune in for. I mean, we all, as squash fans, will tune in whatever because we love to watch the game and we understand it. And when players are playing at the peak of their powers, we get just a thrill from watching the range of shots and the, and the physicality and all that stuff. But people who don't like squash, they ain't, they ain't going to understand. They don't understand what's going on in that big, big box, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, for the, they need narrative. They need to be told that these two guys hate each other or, you know, all the... Like, or they need something to get their teeth into, yeah. and um, and and a, and a game that's completely dominated by Egyptians that they never heard of ain't going to cut it. However, um, uh, you know, I, I must I must sort of add a caveat that um, the, the, the as all squash fans know, the, the, the Egyptians play richly entertaining squash, and yeah, we thank well, it them. Get much we, better. We, we, I guess we it's just up to everyone else to step their games up. Exactly. It's what I'm certainly not doing is blaming them. It is. You're right. You're absolutely right. They've set the standards for everyone else to aspire to, and I look forward to the rest of the world catching up. So we've got a, a, yeah. a really, a really good mix of nationalities and a good mix of, uh, uh, of characters. And I mean, there are guys out there. I mean, uh, Miguel uh, proved it. I mean, he he very easily could have uh, beaten Rod um, Sherbaggy in the in the on day one. Uh, he beat him absolutely. Uh, Kandra looks yeah. force. Mueller's there. Uh, the the tree chopper. Uh, he he's got the the whole package. If he can just get the confidence to beat these guys, uh, he can do it as well. Um, but yeah, one I agree. fortunate uh, thing is uh, the sort of the fall of uh, Rami Asher. Um, mm, I know, I know, and it's it's something that everyone in squash is united in, sort of feeling desperately sad about. Yeah, um, and just 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 wish, we just wish that um, he could, A, get the, the, the sort of support that he needs, whether that be financial or, or whatever, um, and, and B, just sort out this problem once and for all. And, um, you know, it, you, can, you can see you follow him on Twitter you, you see, and Facebook. You know, sometimes he posts, you know, really desperately um, you know, sad posts that you think, God, this guy's going through hell. And every time he pulls up, in, every time he pulls up injured in a tournament, your heart sings, doesn't it? Because yeah. you know he, he is he is a maverick. He's a genius, and he I mean, deserves that's, that's a lot. That's why better. the uh, the Grasshopper Cup was so special. I mean, he just showed up. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. decimated the the field. He did, and uh, you know it, it's such a such a tragedy, really, that he's unable to show that on a consistent basis due to his. His body just um, laying him down. It was great. You're, you're right. I had forgotten about the grasshopper cut and him winning that. So brilliant. That was a great event. Um, too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Inter interactive squash sort of uh, had some. They were involved a little bit in there there with the production of it. Uh, right. It's, it's, a, it's a German. Com it's a German company, isn't it? Interactive squash. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's sort of nearby for them. But yeah. Um, 
Yeah, ter- terrible about Rami. I agree about uh, about Rosner. Um, brilliant. Now, talking about one of the season highlights, how brilliant was it to see him winning the TOC? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, and he he'd for so long just got to quarter final after quarter final and couldn't make that breakthrough. And then I think he, he got to a semi, I think in Qatar. Um, and you know, I, I actually interviewed his coach um, Ronnie Vlasak after about a week after that for Sports Player Magazine. And um, he said, oh, you know, Simon is absolutely buzzing after Qatari. Just having got to a semi, he really feels like he's kind of, you know, smashed through a kind of glass ceiling. Yeah. Um, and then for him to do that in, uh, in New York, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And by the way, just to decide on Rosner, I don't know whether they showed it on the... I watched the, uh, the the roundup on YouTube of Rosner's match against Gaultier in Dubai, which I was there for, and they didn't include this moment. But I wonder whether you saw it on Swash TV or whether other people did. They, Rosner had qualified already for the for the, for the semis, and Gaultier had already been knocked out. So it was kind of like it had a sort of a an atmosphere of a sort of exhibition game about. Yeah, I, I was there for this. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were, of course you were. That's where I saw you. When when and the uh, when the guy. Uh, I think it probably was when the guy told the guys to to play, uh, not play exhibition squash. <laughs> well, first of all, no, no, I was no, referring okay. to one point. <laughs> okay, it was a funny game. First of all, the announcer announced Simon Rosner to come down and then Gaultier just ran down the stairs. Sprinting down. And the, yeah. and the, and the guy went, no, 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 Gregory, no, 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 it's not you. It's not your turn. And he just rushed off. And then during the game, Rosner bent down to tie his shoelaces when he was preparing to receive serve. Gaultier saw that that was happening and served anyway. And then oh, yeah. Rosner, while he was still on the floor, returned the ball with his shoelaces still undone. And they just carried on playing the, playing the rally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it's probably one of the things If you can look it up on the replays, it's so funny. Yeah, I remember that exactly. And then the, the dude at the back of the, uh, up in the white chairs there, uh, up on top, said something to the effect of uh, stop playing exhibition squash. So Gaultier invited him down to the court. Ah, that's what he said. I didn't hear what he said, that guy. But uh, Something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a, he's a, I do absolutely adore watching Gaultier play. I must well, admit, I know well, that's good. He's, I mean, he's, got to remember how old is he? He's thirty-seven, isn't he? Thirty-six. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah I know that. He's, no one that um, plays you know, like him. No, no. His movement. He, he's so fluid, and you know, you never know what he's going to do next. I'll never forget the um, the match against uh, was it, it Shabagi, wasn't it? At the, at the TOC the other year before last, when uh, he was limping and he was exaggerating, and you know, it looked like he was going to give up, and then he came on. What a hustler! Yeah, that's exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about in terms yeah. of, you know, no, exactly. Need, that, need... That's, I mean, with Galchier, when Galchier is in the mix, when, uh, when Nick Matthews in the mix with the Egyptians, that's Absolutely. what we need these guys to sort of challenge them and, uh, you know, yeah. make, it, uh, yeah. make it difficult. Yeah, but with Rodriguez, you mentioned earlier, I mean, it was. And Rodriguez, Rodriguez doesn't put up with it. Uh, I remember on my uh, on the podcast that he he wasn't really complaining about any player in particular, but he says he he doesn't like uh, all the patting on the back and all the you know the happy faces on the court. Uh, I think if you're talking about people patting you on the back with a bum with their racket, I think we know who we're talking about there. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a certain, a certain, uh, certain chat from Aix-en-Provence, but. Uh, 
yeah, it, he's um, Rodriguez is, is brilliant to watch for different reasons. You know, he's a, yeah. a completely and utterly fair player, and there's none of this uh, histrionics of him. But the diving around, um, you know, like he's like, who was it that called him the walking highlights reel? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it was you, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, and that's a great description because. Uh, yeah, and the brilliant to see. It's not just the diving; it's the the quick reactions. Like he'll, uh, someone will hit like a, a sort of a cross court, maybe miss it. it it'll be short, and he'll just quickly uh, he'll hit a Philadelphia boast, like off a ball. What's a Philadelphia boast? Is that like a? What's a Philadelphia oh, it's boast? It's a corkscrew, like a corkscrew uh, shot. Oh, so a corkscrew. Front, yeah, yeah, yeah. High on the front wall, and then hit the side wall and bring it to the back, and it hits uh, the, okay. the side wall at the back and rolls along the, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, brilliant like, to see Normally, in, to uh, hit that shot, yeah, you need right. you need a bit of time to set up for it, but he, he did it in, like, in a millisecond. You know, he, he pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a real entertainer. And um, yeah, I, I tried to get a hold of him actually when I was in Dubai. I wanted to get an interview with him for squash player, and uh, uh, I thought he might might come to the final. But he was. I, I, I got one of the PSA guys to text him, and he said, "I'm at the top of the Khalifa Tower." <laughs> so, <laughs> so he, he yeah. said, "I can't talk right now. I'm, I'm on the top of the tallest building in the world." So I thought, "Well, okay, that's probably not the best time for an interview." But no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, track, I'll track him down at some point, I'm sure. But yeah, I th I think uh, there is. There is promise there, but the, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see how it plays out next year. But there, there's also promise within the, the Egyptian ranks. I mean, you, you'd like to see uh, a guy like Ali Farag overcome uh, uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi or, you know, some of these other guys like, like uh, Omar Mossad. Uh, he, he had a great game uh, a few years ago. And he, even uh, Kareem, uh, I really enjoyed watching him play. Such a stylish uh, player, Kareem uh, Abdul-Gawad. Um, yeah, he almost—he almost seems too relaxed for his own good, doesn't he? He's kind he of does. Like, yeah, yeah, almost too relaxed. But then he, he can just hit shots, uh, probably better than most of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I know he won the worlds, didn't he, last season or something? That's right. And uh, yeah, he just seems such a such an easygoing. I mean, you never get a word out of him on court, do you? He's quite a quiet character. Yeah, um, it seems to me. Um, uh, to but his, uh, to his disadvantage. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I mean, he does seem seem quite inhibited um, in his person. I mean, in his personality. Again, I, you know, I stand to be corrected on that. But um, uh, yeah, um, you know, he's world champion. Well, he was yeah. last season. So you know, we, we we can't certainly question his we can't question his credentials uh, at all. And um, yeah, he's a solid member of that top eight, isn't he? Uh, or top ten. Uh, so yeah, yet another one of the Egyptian Egyptian clan who uh, who were dominating. Absolutely. Well, Mike, do you see? Uh, uh, is there anything else that we need to cover in terms of uh, next season? I, uh, there's so much ground to cover. I thought I thought it was a great year uh, on both men's and women's sides. So I think we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, did we miss anything? Did we miss anything? Um, I'm not sure. There's one other name that. Um, that I saw, and only because she she was voted Young Player of the Year in in the women's game was uh, Subramaniam uh, from oh, right. Malaysia. And yeah, she yeah. she she won, I think, the World Juniors. Is that right, or the British Juniors um, this she year? She's a uh, Cole David protege. Uh, well, 
possibly. I mean, I know she's sort of she's she'll have um, she'll have Nicole David as a sort of a mentor and someone to look up to and aspire to. So that you know you you can't get much better than that. Yeah. Um, she's a, she's a sort of quite um, quite a slender girl, um, from what I've seen. Um, and but she you know the only way is up for her. There's sort of a there's a little green arrow next to her ranking. That's for sure. A green upwards arrow. Um, who knows that, that she, she might she might lay a few punches on on some big names this coming season. So this, this, she's another one maybe to chuck into into the conversation. Oh, for sure. Well, it, it all looks uh, looks exciting, and I'm looking forward to uh, to the 2018 uh, 2019 campaign, and uh, looking forward to having you on again, Mike, uh, at some point, uh, maybe before the season starts. Yeah, brilliant. Well, it was great to meet you, Jerry, and uh, and great to speak to you. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay, pleasure. Take care. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on to the podcast. It was great to uh, look back at the uh, that incredible Super Series final here in Dubai. I'm still uh, fired up uh, over it. I still haven't sobered up, uh, so to speak. Uh, it was a great event, and uh, luckily we... Uh, we uh, met each other there, and uh, we had a great chat today. Uh, looking back and looking ahead, we could have uh, probably talked for, for another hour or so, uh, but uh, we'll save that for the, uh, the pre-2018-2019 campaign uh, episode. I'd love to have uh, Mike back on again. He knows his stuff. Uh, and uh, also, I'd just like to, uh, to thank all of you for listening. We've got a very interesting episode coming up this week. Um, look, really looking forward to uh, to having him on uh, the the man behind uh, squash stories. Jamie Maddox will be on the podcast, and uh, I think a lot of us, a lot of the listeners uh, of my podcast, are also members of the uh, squash stories community. And uh, it's a very, very uh, lively, vibrant, entertaining. Uh, uh, fruitful conversations that go on and squash stories and Jamie is behind uh, behind that and I'm really looking forward to uh, talking squash with him uh, he's got uh, I think a fair bit of pedigree and uh, he was once a fairly uh, fairly good player back in the day so we'll, we'll uh, look back at that but most importantly we'll just uh, talk squash and uh, talk uh, squash stories so that'll be uh, uh, at the end of next week and in a few weeks' time, I've got a, I'm really excited. I've got a, a, a player coming on that I've really wanted to, uh, to have on for a long time. I uh, don't want to jinx it yet, so I won't reveal the name. I'm a bit uh, superstitious when it comes to that. But uh, we'll just say uh, it's uh, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite players uh, on the tour, and he'll be, uh, he'll be coming on with any luck uh, in uh, a few weeks' time. And uh, most importantly, though, um, everyone, I hope you enjoy your squash uh, this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on court. I only played once last week. Uh, I was a bit busy, obviously, with, uh, with the Super Series final and everything. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting back and uh, seeing what I can do uh, around the court, see if I can play with that same intensity that uh, the Beast from uh, Alexandria can play with, or if I can move into those... Uh, front corners like uh, Ali Farag or not. Uh, we'll see how that goes, uh, and I wish you guys all the best with your squash as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye now.